Look at that mustache. I forgot that I had this mustache. It looks good. <laughs> I completely forgot. How'd you forget? I don't know because I've never had a mustache in my life. And I was shaving yesterday. And uh, I just left the mustache. Yeah. And then I forget that it's there. And then I see myself and I say, oh, yeah, that thing's there. It looks good. You know, 18 years too late following the trend of cool, hipster, ironic mustache. When but, have you ever followed a trend? <laughs> I'm, yes, I've waited until the trend has passed. But yeah. but people are going to think, and I didn't even, this didn't cross my brain at the time, but that Movember thing is starting. Oh, right. Yeah, so now people are going to think it's tied to that, so I'll probably shave it. No, 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 because you'll shave the rest of your face, right? Yeah, but Movember is growing a mustache. No, Movember is not shaving anything, isn't it? Like, even your whole face. I thought it was growing a mustache, but that's only based on Aaron Rodgers, who always grows a mustache. Yeah, I think it's all of your chin and cheeks, <laughs> neck. No, it's mustaches. Movember is an annual event involving the growing of mustaches during the month of November to raise awareness of men's health issues. Oh, man. Yep, so it's bad timing. Bad timing. Who's one? It to, looks really, for real, I really like it. Who's one to not follow a trend? <laughs> You'd have to wear a shirt constantly that says, like, this mustache has nothing to do with Movember. I'm just, I did it, and I didn't even remember that I did it, and then I realized that, it, you know what I mean? It would say all of that. It is a very strange thing, this mustache. I also, you know, I bought a couple suits and I, oh, yeah, I wore, I wore one last week, three How'd piece, three piece, no tie. So I kept it casual, but how did it feel coupling that up with this mustache? Ooh, maybe it's too much too soon. The city is mine. All right. So where did you wear this suit? To the theater. Oh, Wow. Dressed up for the theater. All right. Well, now that is a little bit more of an appropriate place. What I think when you'll know that. What was that? My lights went off. But you lose power. You're not paying no, the power I bill. Lost, I lost some of my lights. So my lights burnt out. What kind of lights in the closet? Christmas lights. Yeah. Oh, well, those are cheap. Eh. Yeah, but they're in here and I don't have to touch them. And now I'm going to have to deal with them. Maybe they, they came unplugged. No, they're sitting right here. Because some of them are still on. It's that thing, you know, like where like the master one blows out. I thought they got rid of that. I didn't think that was a thing anymore. Oh, they're back. Yeah, you just had was to, that? You just had Did to... we just get visited by a ghost? No, because ghosts aren't real. Oh, how do you know, though? Because they're not real. Well, just a minute ago, I was lighting a candle and I felt... Like I blew out the candle and then I put the, I'm sorry, I blew out the match and then I put the match underwater and then put it in the trash can. And then I felt a heat on the side of my hand. Hmm. And I thought, what? What? It didn't feel hot. It's called I felt friction. this like intense heat it's right called here. It's friction. Your hand rubbed was, up against something when you were doing this. There was, a, what, walking from the sink to the trash can? Can't prove a negative, but ghosts aren't real. Okay. I, anyway. I, one of my favorite radio hosts used to say that. I think he still does. I just don't listen to the show as much anymore. It's gotten a little stale. But that was one of the things I took. Can't prove a negative, so you asked me how I know ghosts aren't real. It's like, eh, well, you need to prove, the onus is on you to prove it to me that they are real. And a little warm 
wrist is not proof. Well, I didn't say that proved anything. I'm just saying it was strange. And then the lights, half the lights went out and then came back on without me really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Weird. Ghosts. Only explanation? Ghosts. That is the only explanation. Yeah. I was going to say, you'll know that you'll you'll have made it when you're wearing those suits, just like... See, okay, first step, right? You wore it out to an event that sort of warrants dressing up for. So it was a, an appropriate place for it. And then you'll start, you should start wearing them to work, just like walking around confident, like I'm the guy in a suit now. And then you'll start wearing them at home to work, even though you're not going into the office, but it's just because it's become second nature for you to be in a suit. That's when you'll know you've made it. This is a nice suit. It's custom made. It has a floral lining. It has my Love that. initials stitched on the inside. Are you going to be buried in that suit? No, because I won't be buried. Oh, yeah. You'll be burned in that suit? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, no, it's a shame to burn that suit. I think I should be cremated naked. Are people, oh, you should. Are people cremated with clothes on? I think so, yeah. I mean, wait. Uh, Yeah, because they sift through and they take out all the... M- they take out any metal at the end. And then also... Oh, maybe they don't. I don't remember. I know that, like, the mortician has to take out anything metal in their bodies. So, like, if they've had, like, knee replacements and stuff, then they have to go in and take out anything metal. Like a that thing that keeps your heart regulated. What's that called? Pacemaker. Thank you. What's that thing called? The thing that paces your heart? What's it called? Yeah, I think it'd be a shame to burn this suit. I got functional buttons on the cuffs. I don't like the... What's functional buttons mean? Well, you know, the buttons that are on the cuff of the jacket. Quite often, they're just for decoration. Oh, really? These you can actually unbutton and button. Not that I'll ever unbutton them, but I don't like the idea of having buttons just for show. Yeah, it is strange. And then I did uh, some... The stitching on the first button, the stitching around that, the button hall, you can get a different color. And that's little signs to show that this is a custom suit. Wow. So I went all out. Good and for I, you. Now I need to buy more. Okay. I have to stock up. How much was it? How much was it? You fucking rich dick. No, it was 400 and f- <laughs> that's not a lot for a suit. Suits, okay. Suits can get very expensive. Already for the pants for- and the jacket, it was four sixty. Wow! And then I already had a waistcoat, a vestcoat, a waistcoat, whatever the fuck it's called. Westcott. <laughs> yeah. Wayne's coat. Wayne's coating. There's a strange pronunciation of waistcoat slash okay. vest. It's okay. uh, like waistcoat. Waistcoat. <laughs> but. Uh, like you don't open your mouth for any of the vowels? I already have one that kind of... It was a lighter gray. The, the, the suit itself... Suit was blue. Well, I got a blue one also. Oh. This, oh. The, that one wasn't custom. That one was... So... Off. Okay, so it's not like another 460? The blue one was 390 or something. The blue one's a houndstooth design. Houndstooth pattern. Mm-hmm. The coat... It's got a pretty good fit. I'd say it's a little long, but not clownishly long. The pants. You're wearing your dad's overcoat. Yeah, it's not that terrible. And then the the pants needed to be tailored, so I took those in, had those tailored. But the custom suit. Wow. With my initials. Four sixty, four eighty. Yeah, something like that. 
<laughs> it's 480. It was 460, Four, I think. Okay, 460 and then 3 something, 350. Oh, I'm doing that Klarna shit on one of them. Don't don't act like I'm shelling out all this money. Oh, okay. Klarna. One of them. Yeah, with Klarna. It's like make four Is that payments. The same as Afterpay or something? Yeah, or a firm is another one. Okay. Make four payments of 70 something dollars every two weeks. Like, yep, I'll do that. Still, it's pretty cool. For one Good of for them. you. The other one I just threw on a credit card. It said, I'll deal with you later. <laughs> yeah, but as a lot goes into it, I'd get some ties. The ties were. Oh, you're, you've got like $500, $600 locked into this new look. Well, I mean, if you take both suits, I have like a, and the ties, which three ties was a hundred something. And oh. I've got. Well, that's what I said, 900. So if like, if you have six. Yeah, I have like $900. Yeah. Sunk into two outfits. It's time. What can I say? This is what I'm doing as I age. Whatever. Trying you have expendable a, income. You're fucking rich. Trying. No, I'm not fucking rich. <laughs> Just like teasing you. I'm not. That's the thing. You say this. It people. feels like if you can pay the amount that you guys pay in rent, plus just like shell out some money like that for some for two outfits. There's some X and I bought a car. I know I had some extra money. Yeah, you did. Well, it's because, so you know, with the job. That pays more than I've made before. And then I get the extra money through the radio show. And then I was. It's died down now, but doing side work, editing other people's podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, I also didn't put money aside for taxes for that. That editing podcast wasn't taxed income, but, oh. it, but it was invoiced and a check was sent, which means the IRS oh. will know, so I'll have to pay some mm-hmm. taxes later. Lame. But not rich. The rent, I know the rent sounds insane, 3400 But my, You have a lot of... I'm not saying you have a lot of money. I'm not I know of say- some money that you have. I'm not have saying that $3,400 a and month. And when certain people in your life. What's your rent? Your rent's like 16 Yeah. My last rent was 18 for New York City. That's not, you know, don't act like. Yeah, but I don't have anything in savings. It's not already allocated to something else. True. But that's so, not- and how much do you have? I know something about you. Like not you a lot. Not that much. And then when someone, some people in your life. When the future comes, you will also have even more money, which is crazy. Are you talking about when my parents die? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my parents also aren't that old. So if everything goes accordingly, when they die, I'll probably be 65. Yeah, that's not, I'm not, that money doesn't Then you'll be rich. I'm not going to necessarily be rich. It's okay if you are. No. The money it is doesn't okay e- if you are. That money doesn't exist. I don't think about it. I don't count on it. All right, but even without that, you still, you still. It's also my dad. I don't know. It's my dad's money. He earned it. Like he. Yeah, was, I'm not talking about that anymore. He, he wasn't. About that. He wasn't uh, rich when we were growing up. I'm not saying so? we were poor. I don't need to. I don't need to live in that narrative. We were. Who's so talking poor. about your dad's wealth? I'm, I'm just, talking about your wealth. Well, because you go down this path where some people think, oh, you live in New York and you're paying this, you must be getting help. There's zero help. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not what I meant at all. Well, I already know that there's this idea that... uh, Oh, hold on a sec. ...that some people hold. What is this? I thought you were alone. 
This is unbelievable. Oh, it's no big deal. Hanging out with the grandparents. Mima and Poopa. No, no, so they're over at a neighbor's house. Mima and Poopa? What do they call your parents? Grandma and Grandpa. Sorry, they're over at a neighbor house, neighbor's house, and then she came back to get some shorts because she's wearing a dress and she wasn't wearing anything underneath except for her underwear. Outrageous. I know. I'm sorry. Nutrageous. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. You've got a limited amount of time because you've got a social event. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's 6 o'clock. It's 5.04. Yeah, I'm sorry. You should apologize again. I'm sorry. Not accepted. It's the middle of October, and you know what that means. Yes, I went to the store to get a costume and some candy. But when I got to Target, what I saw made me scream. It wasn't spooky skeletons, but bright Christmas trees. It's not yet time for Christmas, it's time for Halloween. Say yes to black and orange, say no to red and green. There should be costumes, candy pumpkins, black kitty cats. It's time for Halloween, put the Christmas stuff back. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Russ, and the topic of this week's episode is my friend Dave, who's coming up a lot. I do, my friend Dave. I do. I do think about that. Because last week, wasn't it last week or one of these yeah, previous weeks? Week. I was showing you pictures of Dave and talking about Dave waxing poetic about my friend Dave. And, you know, it's someone that I that I adore. It's someone that uh, means something to me in my life, even though our time together, like I met Dave when I first, this isn't actually the topic of the show. The topic of the show <laughs> is inspired by Dave. So don't, you know, if you're, if you're thinking, I don't want to hear about this guy, I don't know, I understand that. But hear me out because it's what got me thinking about what today's topic will be. But Dave was a person who, when I first moved to New York, was my first friend and we became close. We're similar age and... He had been here a couple months longer than I had, and he's the kind of guy who goes out and explores and will venture into places and find places that you normally wouldn't find. So, Oh, which you love. Yeah, so it was cool to hang out with him, and he was a creative guy, and uh, which is the real focus of this week's episode is creativity. I know we did a show. I was looking through the archives just to make sure. We did the Futureplex show, which was also called a study in creativity. Mm-hmm. And that was more so creativity in the workplace and how it fits in because the Futureplex was you know, something I did when I was on the air at 99X. You can go back and listen to this episode if you care. But it was all original content and management hated it. And I ignored them. And I really feel as though it was part of the, part of the reason I was taken off the air unceremoniously. Just yanked off the air for being too creative, their exact words. So that was a little different than I think where we're going to go today. And that was past creativity. And this is somebody, this, well, this Dave of yours. This Dave. <laughs> He's someone who's currently expressing himself in his creativity. And He's I the, personally am a, am a little jealous. He's the only person that I know that I would call a true creative in my life. 
there are people, I guess, who, well, I, there's, there's a few other people who are able to do things that they want to do. Uh, it's very limited in scope. Sometimes it's tied to career. And when we get to the realm where being creative isn't tied to career, you lose a lot of people. Obviously, there are plenty of people who, who still paint, write, poetry, whatever it is. They still do things even though it's not their career. But there is this idea, I think, embedded in a lot of us that if you're not doing something creative for your career, like the thing that you want to do if you're a creative person, for the sake of this, just say writing. If you're not doing it for a career, why the hell do it at all? And Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though Dave, when he was here in New York, there was one time he dragged me out of my apartment and he said, this is the time. Now is the time. I have to do something creative. I need you to help me with it. And I said, yeah, yeah. And I finished my beer and I went home and I never followed up on it. So I feel like oh. I, I feel like I let him down because... I do wonder what we could have done. I don't even know what that path would have looked like. Do you mean it wasn't it wasn't at that moment he needed your help? He was saying like he had an idea for something and he wanted you to help him. Yeah, well, in general, he was in New York. He came to New York oh, okay. to try stand up. Okay, this was the time. This was the time uh period in, in which life. he wanted to include you in his creativity. In life. This is the time the time right. is now. And I just blew him off. Like, yeah, yeah. Why? I, Were I, you scared? I was maybe I wasn't in a good spot. This was yeah. this was the beginning of I'm going to sit in this small 200 square foot apartment and I know I got my hookup for some right. pills and this makes me feel good. I'm going to play online dominoes and rack up, you know, 16 and a half thousand games of online dominoes. <laughs> so I wasn't particularly feeling motivated or creative myself at that moment. It's a shame because I could have possibly pushed through it and that could have delivered some kind of fulfillment that would have kept me from that whole thing. But right. that's pointless because if that didn't happen, then I might, would I have gotten to where I am now? A dude who wears suits and has a mustache? I don't know. Probably <laughs> not. It's pointless. That's a pointless exercise is what I'm saying. It's like the idea is nice in theory that, oh, I could have avoided all that, but maybe that needed to happen in order for me to you know, really buckle down and figure things out as far as my life went. But uh, yeah, Dave, a guy who came to New York, tried stand-up comedy. He did it. I mean, he was going to open mics and he was doing it, but just to become successful doing it, it's a very difficult thing. Yeah. There are working comedians out there. I think Alba, Michael Albanese is one of them. Like, I think he makes enough money through his little endeavors to survive. So he's like a working comedian. Mm-hmm. But it's a fucking grind. That guy's yeah, always... Yeah, a lot. He's always on the go. It's like a... It's a it's a life. I mean, like traveling. Yeah, traveling. You go around. Yeah. You're headlining a show, but it's you know it's at a comedy club in the Poconos, and I, I don't <laughs> mean that in, as an insult because then you jump to another town and you get to the city. It's just a, it's tiring to me, and I think you know when Dave was here in New York. Again, I'm still talking about Dave because it, it does pertain to the overall theme of the show. At some point, he decided he was done with it. He's done. He's leaving. He goes back to Richmond, Virginia and studies library sciences. And, you know, he's fine now. He has a government job, a federal government job. I'm giving away his life. <laughs> Probably would hate it. <laughs> Probably couldn't would listen. It's okay. To his name's not really Dave. He would listen to this. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But the point is, through all of this, he's one person I know who's remained creative. He does music. 
He does strange photo ops that look very nice. Uh, I mean, he's got his hand in many things. And I look at it and I think you're still doing this because I feel like as though if I were the person who left New York and gave up on whatever my dream was, then I would have, I would have just shut down. I would have been. What was his dream while he was in New York? Comedy. Stand up? Yeah. Okay. So he didn't give up on the dream. Maybe he just realized it wasn't his medium. Well, he gave up on comedy. He hates comedy now. So there is that element to it. But. Well, maybe you just like grow up and you realize, oh, actually, this is not this is not it. And what he actually needed was something, you know, that was stable so that he could express himself creatively or he could express himself creatively. I think there's still some pain with the comedy, which is I, which I get. It's something I feel a little bit with radio, except, you know, I've never actually fully left radio. But talking about how I lost the radio job for being too creative and then I came to New York and got into radio and even that was, no, no, there's no room for any of this. You know, I had a a dream to do something. I got in and got started, which is the hardest part. So you get that in the rearview mirror and you're like, well, I'm here. And then you realize. And you were good at it. Yeah, but you realize you weigh the the, the, uh, negatives and the positives and you look at what's laid out in front of you and you say, I'm not going to chase this because... It doesn't seem worth it. Obviously, being involved with the Von Hessler Doctrine, which is, you know, a successful show, is nice. And it satisfies and offsets some of that uh, bitterness, I guess, I would felt towards radio. But let's say that never happened. I understand the feeling. I'm like, fuck radio. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be near it because it stirs up some bad feelings. But for Feelings some- of failure. Yeah, which for me would carry over, I think, overall. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was my creative outlet. This is this is that ridiculous idea that career, for the, for the most part, I really think that career shouldn't be viewed as a creative endeavor. Very few people have the opportunity. Now we're getting into the Futureplex episode where I talked about it. But <laughs> it's just this weird backwards thing. It's evolved over the year since we recorded that episode, my thoughts about it. Because before, I... I still feel like it's a shame, but I started questioning why so much emphasis was put on into the, the put on this idea of career needing to be the vehicle or the outlet for creativity. If, if you are a creative person, then it seems like the way to harness that creativity is to do it to get paid <clears throat> to get paid for it, and that's and then it would justify. Uh, your focus on the creativity. That's the dream though, right? That's the dream, right? To get paid to do... But maybe not. But maybe not. Because when you do... when Something like being creative and being someone who... who, Especially like Dave, right? Like he's got a motor to produce things. And he just does it for the sake of it. Let's just set this up. Hold your thought. Don't lose your thought. Okay. Just to to round out that idea and the reason I introduced Dave is because he continues to create things, the the comedy feelings aside. And I look at it and I say, you're the one person that I know who really is a true creative. You just Mm -hmm. keep doing these things because you want to. You do it for the sake of it. It brings some joy to a few people that you know, but most people aren't seeing it. And that in itself would be enough to shut people down because they 
Because then someone might say, what's the point? Yes. Right. Which is, uh, and that's, that's the sort of almost, he might be doing it right. Because if you are someone who just has to get out and produce, you know, the thing that is driving them, right? Because they are a creative person. If you do that as your job, then it just becomes a job, right? And so you don't get to really... Well, Autumn. Ex- you're expected to produce things. Well, and you're expected No? Well, Autumn, do something you love and you never work a day in your life. I know, but it always becomes work. <laughs> I agree with that. and I My think- job is easy as pie. And sometimes I'm still like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, like everybody has that. The dream in... You are pretty lucky on that front. Like you're not yeah. compromising much. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. You're compromising a lot for the sake of what Eric wants the show to be. <laughs> but yes. as far as Eric goes, he's living that dream where you're doing the show you want to do and most people are leaving you alone. Sure, there's some politics that come into play, but for the most right. part, there's not much sacrifice of the vision. If you're part of the show, there's sacrifice. But Yeah, because it's not our show. We're a part of the show. Yeah, and you have to stay in line with the vision of the creator of the show. Mm. Yes, the grand creator. And I know that it's easy to say someone listening, like, oh, boo-hoo, shut up. It's sure. Oh, absolutely shut up. That's fine. I don't complain about it. It is just something that is true. <laughs> you know, That's okay. Yeah, it can be true. And you are close yeah. to doing something creative as you want to for a career. But it's yeah. still a and fun thing. And then even thing. this. This doesn't, I feel, I think, you know. Even this, <clears throat> sometimes I do feel like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. You know, even though it's once a week, it's an hour, it's nothing. And I, every time we start and I feel, if I ever feel that way, the instant we start talking, I always feel like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, it's good. I'm happy. To yeah, be here. There were some clunky shows. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There were some, diff- for me especially, there's some shows uh, that were difficult to get going, but well, you're, and you're, there were some shows where I was feeling good and then you weren't feeling good. So then you decided to put me in the shit mood so that you could feel better. <laughs> and then I was in the shit mood. And then and then you were like, all right, we have. And then I was like, all right, I can only do this for so long. It's already 1030 at night. And then we had to record a whole show. And then I had to be like, snap out of it, which was difficult. I mean, it's better if I'm on my game. It, pr- <laughs> it proves to be a- <laughs> joking. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to lose you in the middle of this episode. I know um, you're joking. But yeah, so the idea, the dream to do exactly what you want to do creatively for a career and get paid for it, that that is ideal. But I think that's also It could I- also idealistic. be the thing that stops you from being creative. Most people don't get to do it. Very few people get to do it. You get close in career. Most people, I think, who pursue creative careers get close to doing something. The thing resembles a creative thing, but it really can be a little more soul sucking than if you weren't doing anything creative at all. And you're a creative person because you're right there and you see it, but you have no control. And you know, my job is a good example of this. You know, we make videos that are consumed on the internet for some well-known sites and they get viewers. Um, You know, there's branded content. So there's, there's clients involved with their products quite often. But creating video, shooting, editing, you know, it's all, in theory, a creative endeavor. But 
and this was something I struggled with years ago when I, the, the clients would come like, write me a script. It's like, okay, what do you want? Just something different. We want something that's different. Mm. It's like, eh, okay, you write it. They look at it. What's this? This is too weird. This is too strange. No. And then throughout the whole process, it gets whittled down to a thing that's like every other fucking thing that's ever been released. They don't really want something different. No, they don't. They never want no. something different. And then you progress in that and they say, I want something different. And you say, no, you don't. You don't really want that. <laughs> yes, we do. And then you still do it. And I get really angry. I would get really fucking fired up. It's like, I'm not to them and outwardly, but it was just you idiots. You <laughs> say that you want and this is a great thing. And then now you say you don't want it. And then once it progresses and you even know that that's the path it's going to take, it still is not easy. It's like I, I still get angry about it. And when I was editing, similarly, you make edits, you make something look nice and like, nah, let's change this. Like, that's stupid. That makes zero sense. To do to change, that's the point here. Is you're close, but you don't really have power. Right. And you're, you're not. You're you're just. You can you can flex your creativity in in ways that will solve problems, but your vision is not what's important. It's somebody else's vision. Well, I found it to be yes. I found it to be very frustrating. Yeah. And sounds frustrating. As my job has progressed, I've moved into just more of a logistics role, which I love. I've, I've gr- it, it sounds like something you told me 15 years ago, even 10 years ago. And I would, I, fuck that. I would never want to do that. I would hate that because I held on to this idea that I'm going to do something. I need to do something creative. And I realized that work in itself, I've just divorced myself fully from the creative part of it. I don't, I'm not involved in script writing or concepts like let other people handle that and the frustration like that better yeah i love it because it removes that frustration right that was so tiring and killed any creativity that i actually did have to do things outside of work when you're close to it and you're constantly fighting battles that you're going to lose and even if you don't fight them anymore still being close to it um is is a hard place to be so having a job that's logistics like scheduling and budgeting and cause I like numbers and it actually makes sense to me and it comes easily. And you know, I check in with the editors and the team and I, I've become a good manager. I feel where I, I know that people have different personalities and they need to be managed separately and differently. And you know, the team's small enough where I'm, I'm lucky enough where I can give individual attention um, you know, and I feel as though people appreciate that and I can keep people's from being burnt out and uh, them creating good work. So the creative element to me has been completely removed and I've actually never felt more confident or better in a job, which, wow. which sounds backwards. And then that frees you up because you're not wasting all this energy. I'm not wasting all this energy to want to do other creative things outside of that. Now, this has still been a difficult thing where I haven't necessarily done that. I've worked on other people's creative projects. It's like I dip my toe in the pool for whatever reason. I still don't want to fully go for something that's mine and my creation, mine alone. It's a slow process. I think I'll get there, but you know, I've, I've done sound design for that fireside mystery theater, which was radio old radio plays done on stage. And by old, I mean old sounding. They were all, it was all original content that people created and wrote strictly for that. Like, you know, mystery type, Mm -hmm. Uh, not not quite horror, but 
uh, stuff that was done on stage. People would come out and see it at a theater. I did the sound design. We'd run the sound effects live. And you know, I got real joy out of that. And they also turned that into a podcast, uh, like everything else is a podcast these days. <laughs> or uh, my friend Kirk, who owns a small theater, and I would do sound design there or help them get other shows up and running. Um, and that stuff has been beneficial it, it, because that's pure creative outlet. Again, it's me helping someone else. And I think, I think there's another step to still take, but this is stuff that I wouldn't have the energy to do if I were still really trying to shoehorn creativity into my job. And it sounds like I, this, this is the exploration I've had. It's like, am I just saying that? Am I just giving up? Mm -hmm. And I'm not mm -hmm. like, I realize that I'm not at, at one point it, it felt like, a cop out and giving up. It's like, no, it's just accepting the reality of things, which is what is the reality of things that most people don't get to do creative shit in their jobs. And the people who uh, are close to it, I think it takes more of a toll than just being completely removed from it and doing something that's not creative for your job and focusing on creative things outside of work and then, and finding value in that still, because as we've already said, there's this idea that if there's not a big audience for it or you're not making money doing it, what's the point? And I think that's wrong. I think I bought into that for a long time. And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't like to create something that had an so audience. That, so, that, so, yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because you said that, you know, you participating in some of these creative outlets um, is like one step below from what you would think so like what what would what would that be for you would would it be you running your own show or writing something or possibly it's still a difficult thing for me to explore because as much as i say this to you that there's value in it and i do believe that there's value in doing creative things for the sake of doing them even if there's not an audience there's part of me that thinks yeah but i want an audience and if somebody wasn't there to consume it it would make me feel bad and if I'm working on someone else's project, for example, and nobody shows up to see the Fireside Mystery Theater show, like one person comes to the audience, it doesn't make me feel good because I want there to be a full house. But I also don't like take that and internalize it and say, well, I failed. It's someone else's thing who failed. Mm. So I, I, there's still a, pr a progress that needs to happen where I, well, I think that's just human nature. I mean, we are. We can only truly see ourselves you know, through the reflection of someone else. Yeah, not truly, but it's it's a way for us to get to know who we might be, right? So if you're doing something and you put it out there for people to see and then nobody sees it or one person sees it, then it's, I think it would take a really highly developed se sense of self-esteem to be like, no problem. <laughs> like I just did it for me. And if it's one person saw, then it's fine. No, you would feel like, oh no, I wanted people to sort of reflect back to me how I feel about what I've done. Yes. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's just human nature. There's a but though. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you said that we need I forget how you phrased it. Something about looking, we see ourselves through other people. I don't, I don't No, It's a fucking ego trip is what it is for me. I want to create something and have people fawn over it and say, this is so amazing and, and confirm. Oh, that's that thing Con where you're like the shit or a piece of shit. Yeah. There's like to confirm the side of me that I don't like to admit exists, but it's right. there that thinks I could do something that's really great. 
And then if people fawned over it, I would switch to the other side. I was like, no, 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 no. It's right, not, come yeah. on. It's not that big of a deal, which is what I did when I was in radio uh, in Atlanta, especially is, you know, I was going out and when you, there, there are people who think it means something that you're on the air. I do also buy into this idea. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's cool, but it's not that big of a deal. Well, do you remember when you were about to speak on the air and how, like nervous you would be I would have all this adrenaline coursing through my body every time I was about to come on the air and now it's absolutely nothing like sometimes I kind of forget that so many people are listening especially during the podcast 30s I can still get caught up in that but yes when I was it's funny because when we were on the buzz both you and me Mm -hmm. or I that'd be an I in that instance uh, when I was on the buzz both you and I we're on mm-hmm. the buzz. That was pre-recorded, and I would still get nervous, and I would record breaks over and over and over <laughs> and overthink it. And then when I went to 99X, it was live. And yeah, it was especially early on. Like, they did start me at overnight to kind of get me acclimated. Mm-hmm. But fuck, I would just, I would lose my train of thought. My breathing would get all off. Oof, yeah. And it still happens, though, honestly, sometimes if I come into the radio show, mm-hmm. the Von Hessler Doctrine, and I have something that I would like to present that I've put a little more thought into. I do get sometimes a bit nervous and my breathing gets a little off. I'm better at calming myself and presenting things the way I want to. If I'm coming in and we're just going to riff and I'm presenting stories, I'm not overthinking it. But the moment I have something that I want, like the other day when I was on the show and I was talking about how I insulted four people in 15 seconds, I'd thought about <laughs> it. It wasn't like a planned out bit fully, but it was something that I wanted to talk about. And I guess there was this fear that I would screw it up. I was like, all right, now you're on the spot. Now's the time to do this. And, you know, there was enough time from when I got in the yard to when I presented that, that I was able to calm myself. And then it, I think it sounded natural and good. But yeah, there was still nerves that, would come into play. I don't know how this ties into what I was previously talking about. Well, because um, we were talking about having uh, an ego and feeling. Oh yeah. The like, radio stuff. It, yeah. I mean, when people be like, Oh cool. I was like, no, it's no, but it's yeah. like, I've, I probably made them feel like shit. It's like, shut up, you fucking idiot. It's not cool. Well, That's the thing. When someone gives you a compliment or once, you know, yeah. When someone gives you a compliment, it is like a gift. And you never say like, no, I don't want your gift. You're like, oh, thank you. You want to take the comp? You take it. You're like, oh, thank you. But there's a real embarrassment that comes in. I know, because then because it, it does make you feel like, like I someone heard my voice at the grocery store the last time I was there, and like talked to me for a second. Oh, you loved that. You loved that. Autumn doesn't no. have the embarrassment. I know that embarrassment gene doesn't exist. No, I wasn't embarrassed like, yeah, in that me. moment. And you hammed it up. up. Don't. And you started. This is where I can. No, this is where we can be truthful about our lives and not play up something about. Okay, but just let me tell you. Don't add hyperbole to this story. That is not what happened. You can do that on the other show, but not this one. Okay, but just let me tell you what I have in my head. Like, yeah, that is me. And then you started doing that thing where you got on the ground on your side and started like walking in a circle. (laughs) (laughs) Showing off for this person. That is what I did. Because it's you from the Von Hessler Doctrine. But I did a backflip. I did the. um. Fergie backflip singing thing. <laughs> You're a ham. You ham shit up. 
when there's yeah, a, that's fine. When there's a live audience, that's why I bring this up. But I hear you. I won't. I won't. Uh, don't criticize me for that. That's just my personality. I don't do it because I need to prove that. So- that's just me. I mean, I, I still when there's a live audience, I do get embarrassed. Yeah, you get, but you get weird too. You get, you get like, you're, you get, a, I get an autumn way, and you get a Greg way. Yeah, because there's this idea in my head. It's like, oh, the fuck? I, I don't belong here. I'm See, not, I'm not thinking any of that. I'm, I'm not any like, better than these. Isn't this fun? Let's all have fun. I'm not any better than these people. Someone else from the audience can come up here and do the exact same thing. But I told you that I embraced it last time I did a live show. Yeah, where and I did just you said, feel so much better? Well, I said, you know, know what? I, I, I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone overall, but doing this, yes, I can do this and I can do it well. And I went out and had a good show. But anyway, most someone... people that might be there watching you couldn't do that. And I, for a while, didn't believe that that was true. I, I felt like it was something that could be learned or something. I don't know. But it just and then once I got more and more into radio, it was like, oh, no, people can't all do this. There are some that can, but it, it's a smaller percentage of people. But OK, my point was, was that when I tell that story, I wasn't embarrassed in that moment. But when I tell that story, I get weird, like I'm bragging, you know, that like someone heard me and knew me and I, I get, I'll tell the story. And then after I've told it, I feel very uncomfortable in my body. Like I want to over explain and be like, I'm not saying this because like I'm anybody like, I don't, it's not, it wasn't a big deal. I thought it was neat, but it wasn't like, I mean, who am I? I'm not like, (laughs) but then once you do that, then that makes things even more awkward. So then I just have to like sit there in my own, like it can be embarrassment mess that I've made in my pants. Look, it's a cool thing. I I will admit like when I was, this was a couple Christmases ago because last one was COVID and I didn't go back down, but I was like at Costco with my dad and someone like, Hey, Greg, Greg Russ. And that's Ooh, my dad. Especially with your dad. That's my dad's name also. And my dad's worked with, you know, Lockheed's a big company and he knows a lot of people. And even he thought it was someone he knew. And I thought it was someone he knew. Right. And we turned and like the guy was talking to me and it was, it was quick. He's like, you complimented, complimented the show and a nice comment for me and left us alone and was on his way. I also would have talked to him. Like, I don't, I don't, no, he just wasn't I'm not like that a grumpy. weirdo. He was just normal. But excited it was, to see you. But it was cool. And then like especially yeah. in front of your dad, you're like, see, but I think we're also removed from it, not living in Atlanta. And also I'm not on all the time as you are, but you know, I think it's enough where people who listen to the show, they at least know who I am in that context. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we live in places where it's like I don't think about the fact that I'm actually on a show that a lot of people listen to. Me either. And it doesn't come up here and doesn't come up there for you and well my dad now that my dad lives here you know my dad's silly and so like people will come in and like old friends of his or something and be like hi is my daughter hi nice to meet you she's a radio star I'm like oh my god I mean but it's cool to him I know and so then I have to so in my heart you know I'm like oh my god no don't don't introduce me like that and then but in but again I don't want to like I don't want to mess up this vibe, right? So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on a show in Atlanta, you know, like. Ugh. Well, that's uh, also. I'm not like, I am a radio star. No, because your dad's putting you in a spot too. The person doesn't really care. Like maybe they think it's cool, but they don't hear the show. They live in Maryland. It doesn't mean yeah. anything to them. Uh, that that's happened when I was at my sister's once, and there were a bunch of people from out of town, like you know, her husband's family, and you know, someone brings it up, but they don't know what the show is. I'm like, yeah, right. radio. It's like I don't because. 
I don't I don't feel a need like you said. It's just you're in a spot at that point where if you talk about it, you don't want to come off as if you think you're a bigger deal than you are or it's a bigger deal right. than it really is. And especially when people aren't fans or are familiar with the show because <laughs> they right. really don't fucking care. <laughs> like who cares? That's something you have to keep in mind. Um I mean if someone if someone introduced and I if I wasn't in radio and someone was and someone was introduced to me as that person i'd be like oh cool you know what is, i would ask the same questions i wouldn't feel like i was meeting a celebrity or anything but it would be like oh that's interesting that's not like that's why drag queens when people don't know they're drag queens introduce themselves as accountants because they don't want to have to explain anything which makes the sense same thing. yeah mm-hmm there's a world where people know you and within that world, great. Okay. I'll talk to you outside of it. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't think much more than this is something that I do here and there. And also I love podcasts and I love talk radio. So, <clears throat> and if I were meeting the people that I feel like I'm friends with, you know, there was a time when I, the, the line between not knowing someone and feeling like we would be best friends, uh, was very blurred with me and Pete Holmes. Like I was really into Pete Holmes for a while. And so if, if I ever met him in person, this is my son, Pete named after you. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean a little but no. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, but even if that was the case, like if someone did that to me, you know, I, I would, I, even if that made me uncomfortable or whatever it made me feel at that point, I would want to make the other person feel like not feel like not embarrassed for meeting me because if I were to meet some of the people that I loved then I wouldn't want them to do that to me do you know what I mean so like I know the experience that I would want to have and so I try and give that when I meet people that seem to react to liking me not be a psycho it's a good choice not be a fangirl well even if they are a fangirl it's like I get it no you meeting people oh I think it's a good choice on your part, but it, okay. You get it uh, did, yeah. to tie this back into the, the creativity. To Dave, thing, though, you need to bring up Dave. <laughs> I'll always bring up Dave. Yeah. How does Dave feel? It's a person that him. I, that I really like and I'm glad that I met him, but um, to tie it back. Do you ever in, apologize to him for not uh, dissipating and I probably, I probably brought it up. Who knows? I think I did at some mm-hmm. point, um, but the radio show for me, because I am not on it, every day and when I do come on since it is a segment that is my segment while it is still subject to you know what Eric wants I think I have a little more freedom and flexibility to present you've trained him almost to present something yeah I I I guess in certain ways how so well I think that uh, he really I think in the beginning he he needed you right you were like a life raft in this scary ocean he was in and then once he felt more confident then you stayed the same but you became almost somebody he didn't feel like he could trust um because he felt like you would go off and say something that would make people mad and that he would have to answer for it and you know whatever whether that was political or just some little opinion you had or something he's not wrong there were a couple instances where i did say things that probably crossed the line okay well i'm just saying how he i think this is what he felt and then um i think that 
I think that you guys had a little bit of a head to head, like a little bit of an argument or something at some point because I forget why. Oh, I forget why. Do you remember? Uh, there's been several arguments. So you're talking about the ones that happened on the podcast or there's there's many instances. Oh, there's those. And then also like texting issues, you oh, know, yeah. and, and friendship things where it's like, you know, your definition of friendship and his definition of friendship. Um, one, I think, is more accurate than the other uh, is very different from each other. So, well, there used to be uh, actual conversation that like well, even when I moved to New York. Right now, he says, "I don't want to pick up the phone. I don't want to get stuck in an hour-long like, well, conversation." Well, some people need that. I also some don't need an need hour. A little something. We used to talk for like an hour, an hour and a half, and he seemed plenty, you know, invested in it and enjoyed having those conversations. But that aside, uh, you know, as my role on the show has evolved, I do think, like, I like being a part of the show and talking about mm-hmm. having creative things on the side. To me, being on the show a few times a week and having a segment that I have more input in than say you have in the show even though you're on all the time which i think mm-hmm. comes with the territory of you being on all the time i don't know if i'd want to be on all the time unless it was no because uh, you would have to hold back way more than i think that you you'd be comfortable with and as we said before I don't want to sound ungrateful or spoiled mm-hmm. about it because it's still a cool thing to be a part of but that that shit takes a toll on me like it, it puts me in a bad spot over time and then I can I can take it. I've learned to take it. <laughs> I've learned to to deal and understand it. So and so I think fine. I think I think I view the radio show now as a creative thing on the side that I do, and I get to make a little bit of money doing it. And it actually you've molded it to, to fit what your needs are for it. You know, and like I said, you you sort of you conditioned Eric to trust you enough um, to let you do the type of segments. And I think also like just through exposure during your segments and then after your segments, they ended up being interesting and not just the same old thing where we read a headline and we talk about it and he or he rants or we laugh or we do an impression like your stuff has more of a discussion element to it. And it, I think it's more interesting. Yeah, um, We don't do the stories half the time. We just talk. And right. I, and I do like that. I like that 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 happens also. Right. And I'm just using this to illustrate the point that I made earlier where that show, while it is much more creative than many things that you could do, if you're not in control fully, I think being a part of it full time for me, not like it would be awful. And, uh, you know, I, I would find a way through it. But I, th- I think that I enjoy the way I'm involved now more than if I were involved full time because it does get to live for me as a purely creative endeavor that isn't necessarily right. my career. I make a little bit of money doing it, but it exists because I enjoy doing it. It's fun and it can be close to what I want it to be. And that provides more satisfaction than if I were there full time feeling as though I had to compromise more than I wanted. Obviously everyone has to compromise, but more than I wanted and this is the shift overall that I, I, I've been feeling just in life. It's, like it, it's still difficult to get there because, again, the dream really is if you can have a job where you're doing exactly what you want to do and someone's paying you for it and people like your work. It's like, wow, you can't, you can't beat that. But that is I, rare. 
I disagree because then let's say that you're in some sort of creative rut and now all of a sudden your livelihood is based on it. And then that kind of pressure doesn't lead to great creativity. You know, it creates like pressure that you can't do it. And like it's tied into this like inner fire inside of you instead of it just being, a you know, instead of just your career being your job that you can just like get done, do it do the motions, but, 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 and then sometimes you have more passion for your job than other times. But if you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't alter your behavior as much as something that's tied to your soul. If you're in a spot where you've made enough money and you can take time off and disappear and straighten that out. Yeah. But that doesn't happen that much when you're involving your, when, when you're doing exactly what you want for depending on what it is, career. if you got rich, then you can, and some people I know, but then but then it's within that tiny percentage, then you have those people that are rich from it. <laughs> you know, that's and even able, harder to and find. able to disappear. Because yes, most people, if you're in a spot, then you have to force through and then your content suffers and then you're probably it's a very difficult thing. That's what I mean. So it's so that's why I think that Dave is actually he's doing it right because he's got the sort of like cookie cutter square job, right? That he can focus on and do maybe with his eyes closed or just it's a whole different part of his brain. And then he gets to be creative and do things on his own. Uh, and there not be any, you know, no one's clamoring for him to be like, hey, where's your next weird song? Let's go. Let's do it next week. You got anything for us? Do you have any beginning? Like, you have any concepts you can send us? And it's, uh, I agree with that. That's the point I was making outside of that rare instance where if you right. actually got to do and coming around on that is interesting because I still haven't again, fully jumped into creating something solely for me or something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if I get there. I hope so. Like I, I feel like it's needed because otherwise then life does feel boring. There's a grind to everyone's life. And if not offsetting that with whatever it is for me, it would be doing something creative for someone else. It can be any kind of hobby, you know, and, and when we say this, I think, you know, you like to bake. I find that to be a creative endeavor, though it's very restrictive in the sense that you have to follow instructions to a T for the most part, else it doesn't yeah. work. But that's, you know, learning that process and doing yeah. it. it I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't really alter any recipes that often, you know, so. If I did, maybe that would sort of flex my creative bone. But then I also, you know, I do these drawings and things and um, I feel good about them and I like them, but it, my appreciation of them is nothing compared to when I show them to someone else. Like I need pets on the head, you know, like, oh, that's good. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, you don't have to freak out about it because I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. You know, but just like, I just need a little like attaboy. Like, good job. You do. I need, I need, I really like to be seen. I think most people like to be seen and understood yeah. and viewed as being a complex human and not yeah, like just, a nuanced human, yeah, a no. dynamic human. Yes. Flawed. Mm. I know that's not directed at you just in general. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just thinking like, I agree, but it's hard to, uh, it's hard to come to terms with that one, but I true. mean, we talked about this on a few episodes ago, you know, the perception being on a show, mm-hmm. having people have ideas of who you are and not really understanding the full picture and how that can be frustrating and difficult because it does become 
and this is probably something uh, you know a lot of people do face who if they are putting their work out there and they're successful is there's a lack of understanding of the full texture of who you are even if you're doing something and working in a field i guess that can be more expressive like a music i think painting's one thing you have a talent you can say something in your painting that can be interpreted in many different ways people don't really know about you um but there are some there are some things there are some creative outlets like that that um allow for more eccentricities you know like the artist the musician those people can be you know disliked wild uh uh harmful people if they want to be and still be successful oh it becomes Whereas romanticized like, like look at this right. they live that life uh, but then a lot of times like if you're an actor or something then you're used in the media to be and and like especially people that are young and have to like grow up in it you know like it's so hard to find yourself if you've only ever seen what people see of you instead of experiencing it for yourself it's crazy yeah that would be a hard thing to deal with for me also is is if as i say the dream is this but the things that mm-hmm. come along with it um but there's still a need to create and finding that path and what that looks like. You know, it was a, something that at some point I wanted to avoid. It's like, I'm done. I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm giving it. It's all not going to be what I expected it to be. It's like a baby about it and through a little fit. And then it's uh, coming to light. It's like, no, there's a way forward that this can actually work for you. And as we talk about the negatives that are involved, I still would not, I would deal with them and be happy to make some money and have people like the stuff that I do. If I could do it, the way I wanted to maybe do it. Maybe you're getting more comfortable with yourself and who you might really actually be. Yeah, maybe. Ah, gross. Possibly. I Start mean, writing, please. One day. That's that's what I say. I procrastinate. Once I get to the point where I'm about to die, it's like the yeah. night before the papers do, and then I'll start. Oh, okay. It'll all come pouring out because I'm the Your biggest opus. I'm the biggest procrastinator that there is. Um, so I don't know. We'll get there. I feel as though I had some other point, but I know you're looking at the clock because it's tick, 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 almost six Ugh. o'clock. I know. Oh God, I'm so busy. So all right, but the uh, yeah, I forget what the last thought was going to be. I feel as though it was probably a very good thought, but now it's lost, oh, lost no. to the ages. Well, if you ever find it, you can tack it on to the end of this. Because I saw you I'm... looking at your watch. I don't think we explained the song that we opened up with. Shut, oh, please shut, explain the song. Shut, shut up about Dave. I want to hear any more about Dave. <laughs> Never. I don't shut up. But that, the, the the song that we opened up with is just an example of something that he does. He just sent that to me today. Though I think there's a small independent radio station that doesn't have many listeners that he knows the people. And he, he made that and they're going to air it. Like, so six oh, people, really? Six people will hear it. But that Halloween song that we opened the show with, um, and then I'll close the show with it. Uh, that's just the thing. I get these things from him. He's like, I did this. I'm like, cool. Like he recorded in his bedroom and all the voices are his and all the instruments are his. And I think that's cool. It is cool. And I'll listen. And I like that he does it just to send them to you. <laughs> I'm his only audience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it. But maybe that's enough. Maybe that's all you need. One person who can appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. Um, I hope you enjoy our creative endeavor because that's really what this is. Um, if, uh, you like us, please rate and review and subscribe 
And please support our sponsor, hoffandpepper.com. You can get 15% off some really great hot sauce uh, from locally made in Chattanooga. If you use the code ONETOPIC15, go to hoffandpepper.com. Also, they're featured on Hot Ones. This week's ep- uh, guest was Mila Kunis, and she said she liked it. So <laughs> there, that's all that matters, I guess. Okay, thanks. Bye. It's the middle of October, and you know what that means. Yes, I went to the store to get a costume and some candy. But when I got to Target, what I saw made me scream. It wasn't spooky skeletons, but bright Christmas trees. It's not yet time for Christmas, it's time for Halloween. Say yes to black and orange, say no to red and green. There should be costumes, candy, pumpkins, black kitty cats. It's time for Halloween, put the Christmas stuff back. I asked to see the manager and he just laughed at me But nobody was laughing when I kicked that Christmas tree He sang Mariah Carey songs and tried to chase me down I grabbed a giant candy cane and beat him to the ground It's not yet time for Christmas, it's time for Halloween Say yes to black and orange, say no to red and green There should be costumes, candy pumpkins, black kitty cats It's time for Halloween, put the Christmas stuff back A crowd of parents gathered I asked them to think back To a time when they went door to door Dressed in shades of black We gave it up for witches For zombies, ghouls, and gore We gave it up for spooky tales And delicious candy corn Okay, nobody really gave it up for candy corn We tied up the manager We turned down the lights We told some spooky stories And laughed into the night In my headless horseman costume I galloped out the store As Mr. Poe once said on Christmas In October, never more It's not yet time for Christmas It's time for Halloween Say yes to black and orange Say no to 